This is Cindy, my good friend and mentor, graduated with honors from the University of Connecticut at Storrs, receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in acting, directing, and playwriting. Cindy is a multi-year recipient of Long Island's Best Psychic. She is the author of multiple books which focus on life, love, and relationships. Cindy has been seen on television and is the regular host of her own radio show on Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Gary. He has been in the education field for over 20 years and earned his doctorate from St. John's University. He has spent most of his life motivating students of all ages and achieved mastery as an amazing instructional leader. Dr. Gary has been a personal trainer, teacher, professor, coach, DJ, and a professional wrestler, but he's also a psychic. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Soul Matters Podcast, session number 11. We are here always with Cindy Sanson-Braff. How are you, Cindy? I'm perfect. Excellent. Very good. On this very snow-cold, wintry <laughs> day, uh, just the snow keeps coming down, and it's uh, it looks pretty, but when you have to go out and shovel it, man, is it heavy. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have some exciting things to talk about today, but even more exciting of the topic, we have a guest today, uh, and I'd like to go right ahead and introduce her right away. So we have Nicole Semide here. Uh, she is the co-host and producer of Cindy's blog talk radio show called the number one Long Island psychic medium offers free relationship advice. Uh, Nicole is a writer, an entrepreneur, an artist, and a lesbian happily married to her beautiful wife, Lisa. How are you, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> Give it up. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Thank we really you for having appreciate me. it. No problem. Anytime. Obviously, we've had 11 episodes. You're our number uh, 11 session. And my favorite number, by the way. <laughs> see that? that? That's excellent. So we've had some you know, pretty cool topics. We've had, some, we've had one other guest, uh, and we've been able to you know, reach a good amount of people. And we're hoping that uh, not only can we uh, you know, provide more value to our listeners today, but we hope that uh, you know, we get to know you a little bit better and our listeners get to know you a little bit more. And we're going to kind of jump right into it. So thank you once again. So we had, um, you know, before we went on the air, we were kind of just, you know, shooting it a little bit and kind of getting to know a little bit about each other. And one of the things that we had discussed prior to, and, and Cindy and I had talked, was that you and Cindy have known each other since around 2008. Uh, and that was when Cindy's Grant Me a Higher Love book first came out. A lot of those topics are going to be discussed tonight. We're going to ask a bunch of questions, get some feedback. But uh, one of the things that I'd like to kind of square away just before we, we, we dive into it. Uh, I want to ask you, Cindy, uh, you know, before I start with Nicole, can you tell our listeners what higher love means? Now, that's an interesting question, because originally the title of the book that I came up with was The Ladder of Love. And The Ladder of Love explains the different levels of love. Uh, the soulmate would be at the top of the ladder of love. That would be your higher love. That would be something that brings out the best in you. It's a heart, soul, mind, body connection. Uh, you have to be two equals to each other and you have to try to heal your issues. So it, that's the higher love. Going down the ladder of love, you have what we call cellmate in the book or toxic love that brings out the worst in us. Nicole laughs because we talk a lot about that on the show. And that ends in a courtroom, a jail, a morgue or an emergency room. It's usually not very pleasant love. Okay. And then sort of the middle rung is what I call the razor's edge mates. And that's like your old arranged marriage or say your eggs were getting old and you went on match.com and you 
you know, pick the right size, shape, color person. It's not a great love. It's, but it'll give you children a home and respectability. Um, sort of the rung that a lot of people in this 21st century play on is what I call the narcissistic rung. In the book, you know, I, you know, called that interchangeable love which is, you know, sort of Tinder, you go on it and, you know, pick somebody, you throw them away, you get somebody every week or two. So the ladder of love was what I called it. Now, spirit one day who, you know, all kinds of angel spirit guides channeled me during this book a lot. Okay. They would fill my home, uh, guiding me to the right books, you know, just kind of tweaking the book with me. And spirit said, we don't like the title. And I was like, really? Well, I don't know what else to call it. So I'm going to take a nap. And when I wake up, you give me a different name. And I took a little nap, which was very unusual for me to ever nap. And I woke up about an hour later and the words, grant me a higher love came into my head. And I understood why that was a better title. Because even though we're talking about lower levels of love, cellmates, mediocre love, what we're really striving for in this book is for soulmate love or a higher love, which is going to teach the world peace, love, and joy, as opposed to toxic love, which teaches war. And the word grant me was brilliant because grant me a higher love is a prayer. So it doesn't matter if you read the book, you just have to say the title, grant me a higher love. And you've prayed, you've said a prayer and the universe has heard it. So that's where the word higher love, now everybody thinks of, you know, the song, you know, bring me a higher love and always pops into my head when I hear that. Right. Right. I want to bust out singing it. You want to bust out singing it. Right. And meanwhile, most of us weren't sure what that meant when he came out with that song or when they were singing that song, higher love. And so my clients are so funny because they will get a reading from me and we're talking about that they have a soulmate coming or about their soulmate. And they'll go in the car and the song Higher Love will come on. Um, or, you know, TJ and Andrew Janosik, who's, you know, one of my clients that's on, listens to our show all the time. And they went to East Hampton to, on the boat. And when they went to a restaurant, the song Higher Love came on when they were calling me. Now, you could say, wow, you know, that's a coincidence, but it's not. So a higher love is what we should all be striving for, maintaining a higher love is really hard. And during this COVID, when I'm doing relationship guidance, my first question to the couples are, did you kill each other yet? Uh, <laughs> did you beat the hell out of each other? Okay, you're doing good then. Okay, there's been no violence. Okay, great. You are doing great. Because this is really hard to be locked down with people or not going out and depending upon like, you know, Gary's the extrovert. He's, he's a people person, you know, he's, you know, he is a mixer. He likes to be with people. It's hard for people who are used to going out there. It's hard for TJ. This is like hard for someone like me. I don't know. I was locked away half my childhood. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't flinch me. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I got to stay in the house. Okay. I'll, I'll play. I'll write a book. I'll do something. Okay. But for couples, it's been really hard, especially on Long Island, because rents are so high and people sometimes are living, young, new couples are living in a very small apartment, two people. Or in Manhattan, they're living in a studio apartment, two people. Sure. This is this is hard. We, we have a spatial problem going on here. There's nowhere to hide. And it's statistically accurate because, you know, you hear all the time that, you know, uh, domestic violence issues are, are through the roof. 
You know, there's, there's so many different things that are going on in these people's homes, because like you said, it's airtight, like it's pressure cooker, like people have no, no outlet, there's nowhere to go. So it's, it's a very, I mean, it's, it's the reality. It's very it's sad. The reality that we're in. So a higher love was something that, you know, when I met Nicole, she had come for a reading and, um, you know, Nicole might want to tell us what she was like <laughs> back in 2008. I definitely seven, when she, I think it was about 2007 when she got her first reading. Um, this young woman, you you were how old back then? I mean, 13 years ago. I mean, oh, I, I can edit that out if you don't want to say. I, I was a baby, is what I was. She was a baby, a beautiful young thing. Okay, and you know, um, struggling with her career and. And struggling with a relationship. So maybe she could fill us in. No, yeah, good. So let's, we'll get right into it. So obviously, we, you know, there's been a relationship with you and Cindy for quite some time. So, you know, tell us what was your love like, like, you know, love life like back then, um, as well as just your life in general? Like what was going on back then? Oh boy. Well, that's a very, very loaded question. It really um, is. Good luck with that. And it's a long time ago. No, a very long time ago. It's good to have a good memory, but still, some things are just not worth remembering. Um, <laughs> But um, but no, uh, back then I was a very very uh, to to quote the movie Elf was an I was an angry elf. <laughs> I, was, I really really was very very angry, and uh, I had a lot going on. I think back then, and uh, I think it's it's important to say that just given Cindy the nature of Cindy's business um, and given her expertise, that when I first met Cindy, I was obviously a client, and. I was a non-believer. I did not really have, you know, that that spirit, anything spiritual, really, at that point in my life. And you know, I was like, oh yeah. And, and somebody had recommended her to me, and I was like, you know, these people do cold reads, and it, it's bullshit. Am I allowed to curse? You can curse. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Hold <laughs> <laughs> myself. We're, we're grown-ups um, here. Okay, you know, and I was just like, oh, you know, this is bull, and and you know, it's 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 fake. You know, it, you're wasting your money. And that was my my whole you know my whole outlook on it. And uh, he basically he wanted me to try. You know, he's like, listen, just try. I'm telling you, I never believed either. But there's something different about this girl. There's something different about this girl. So I said, all right, fine. So I called Cindy and I made my appointment. And um, you know, I went in and she was so so sweet and I felt immediately at ease. But of course, like you know, like my my, my hairs were up. You know, I was waiting to catch her. Sure. Really, when I first met her. And um, we started chatting, and I was very, very closed off, you know, receptive to what she was telling me, but not wanting to say too much to her, you know, because obviously, you know, that's that's what, like, the thing is. That's the, that's the whole shtick, you know. And um, finally, Cindy just said, okay. She's like, you know, you have two people in the room, you know, and they're both, you know, grandfather figures, you know, did you lose both of your grandparents? And I was like, well, you know, you know, and then she's like, one of them is recently deceased. And I was like, okay. And, and she's like, and one of them has been, has been gone a very long time. Um, but you knew this other one as he was leaving this plane, you know, you know, when he was passing and I went, Oh, I'm like, and ironically enough, you know, the guy that raised my mom was sick with cancer and he was heavily dosed up on drugs in November of the year that I was born and I was born in early December and he died on January 1st. So that was the passing through that she was referring to. And now I'm thinking to myself, if she's talking about him, there's no way she could have known that from my name and my phone number. <laughs> right. Right. No whatsoever. 
you know. Um, and then she started going on about the other guy and, you know, said flat out, these guys did not get along in life. And that happens to be my mother's biological father who had passed three months prior, you know. So I'm like, OK, I'm like, this girl is she's picking up on some things here, you know. And she gave me, you know, a whole bunch of messages from them. And she said, by the way, she goes, are you not speaking to your mother? I'm like, no. She's like, they want you to speak to your mother. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> you know, if, that, if anything was going to make me a believer, I was like, she just like just the things that she was telling me and the things that she was, you know, uh, telling me they were feeling were, were just too close to home for it for it to not be true. And from that point on, I think I just opened up everything to being receptive to, to you know, to things on the other side and, and spirituality, you know, I, I started not questioning so much if there was that higher power there, you know, and that really is what ultimately opened up the door to everything else, you know. Um, so getting into my love life from that point in my life, um, I was in a very, very toxic relationship, uh, you know, for many years I referred to her as the Antichrist. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things where, Going through the book while in that relationship, I kept noticing and I kept seeing all of the toxic, not only the toxic aspects of my relationship with that other person, not only their toxic behaviors, but I was also noticing how I, I myself was inviting those toxic behaviors, how I was doing my own part in creating that. And it was something that ultimately I wanted to not create. And when, as soon as I started to not create it, it started not being. And then that's what ultimately allowed me and led me into a more positive direction. So, so Nicole, was there was there a, a moment in time where you can remember like the switch went off? Like I know you had you had described yourself as like the the angry elf and like oh, you, yeah. you know, and then you know, obviously you had that reading with Cindy. Was it right after that that the switch went off, or was it like a little bit of self-discovery, a little bit of the, the book, and then all of a sudden it clicked? It took me literally until I finished the book. It actually took me more. I mean, I mean, it took me a very, very long time. I was dense. I was so, so dense. And I'm also one of those feel like I'm not a stupid person and I like to fix things, you know, and it was one of those things where I kept going back for more. I was like Rocky, you know, <laughs> you mm -hmm. hit me down. I kept getting back up and going back in for more, you know, and it took me a very, very long time. And I think that my, my end all be all moment where it really, really clicked, we were already doing radio show. And we had a caller and I started speaking to this caller about their relationship. And ultimately what I hate in, in, in life is like I said, I'm not a stupid person is, is, you know, if you ask for my opinion, if you ask for my advice, um, you know, I'll give it to you as long as you're receptive to it. And that's all well and good. But this caller was asking, you know, you know, for advice and, I was chiming in on it and she started second guessing some of what I was telling her and I'm sitting there and I'm listening to her and I'm like, well, you know, you're asking for my help, you know, and <laughs> the whole idea here is, that, you know, like, like, and now you're second guessing what I'm telling you. And then it kind of just started to hit me that by allowing this behavior in my own life, I was ultimately not really in a position to tell other people how to live their lives. I was not really in a good position for me to say, listen, I know exactly what you should do because then their answer is going to be, well, listen, why aren't you doing that then? Sure. If it works so well, why aren't you doing that? 
you know, and I think that that's when I myself started losing that, that credibility with people. That's when I was like, I started taking my life through a different lens and then it started to become less about, um, it started just to become less about me trying to fix the situation by fixing the other person and more about me fixing the situation by first fixing my reputation, which then led me to fix myself. And then when I started fixing myself, I, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't need this. You know, I really, really don't need this. And then it was easier for me to walk away. That makes a lot of sense. You know, self, I think self-assessment is probably one of the hardest things to do because you, you, you want to improve, but it's very tough to be self-critical because it's, it's an, it's an ego shot. It's, it's an awareness. It's an awakening, right? It's very, yeah, very tough. Absolutely. Um, you know, but yet it, it's something that, you know, we, it's really important that people do uh, because it's really the only way you get better and better each day. I, I, you know, I truly believe. And back then when Nicole said, oh, I want, I have to do something to promote this book. We have to do something. And meanwhile, I just wrote the book. What do I know about promotion? I don't know anything about it. And, you know, and I kind of stumbled across Blog Talk Radio because someone I think had asked me to be on the show. I don't even remember how I found out about it, but um, I said, Nicole, there's this thing called blog talk radio and I'm not, I can't do it myself. I really could use someone to help with it. Would you be willing to help? And she just jumped right in there and said, yeah. And I didn't care that she wasn't really manifesting the kind of thinking of a higher love yet, because most of our listeners wouldn't be either. I felt she was actually perfect because we could watch her grow. We could watch her uh, life change and evolve. And that was fascinating. So I never asked Nicole to pretend to be you oh, know, no. a higher love or pretend to know all this stuff or even believe it. I wanted her to be her and to, you know, speak from her vantage point, whatever that would <laughs> be. And it became very fascinating because people loved watching her grow and evolve throughout it. And, um, you know, the two of us had no idea that we would be on our 535 shows, you know, <laughs> at this point, wow. because who knew? And remember, this is a labor of love the way you and I do it, Gary. Like sure. Nicole doesn't get paid for this. She's not gotten paid. I don't get paid. We, you know, it costs well, me money. I get money. paid all right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it costs me money to run that show. Okay. We don't, I don't get paid. Okay. But, and Nicole has done it as a labor of love. And that's one of the things in the book, Grant Me a Higher Love, is that if you want a higher love, you have to do labors of love. You have to do work that you love. You have to do create art just for art's sake or just write for write, writing's sake or just, you know, make your house a nicer place and, and put that labor of love. And, you know, no matter whether you think it's a great house or not a great house, you just put that labor of love. I remember when I was first married and Shauna was a baby and we lived in this house that had belonged to my grandmother, but we had kind of rented it for my parents sight unseen. And my parents were not like my generation of parents. We were the Santa Claus parents. We give kids everything. They pretty much gave us a house that looked like something you never friggin' saw in your entire life. When I walked in, it was so filthy, so awful. And I didn't even know what to do because I had a new baby. I wasn't working. I didn't have money to start paying anybody to do this. So what it was, was scrubbing every inch and, and painting it and 
trying to make it a home that took like a year of scrubbing, cleaning to make it look like something. And it was a labor of love. I mean, that's what it was. And so doing labors of love is what we're asked to do. So when Nicole came in and stepped up to do this labor of love, ultimately she was rewarded a soulmate. It did take many years later, but she did get her higher love. So she's proof that you do this, you work on it, you heal your issues and you evolve. And so she's been a living testament to that book. And she probably knows the book better than I do, by the way. Like, um, it's you funny because, that, yeah. because she just, she's remembering it. You know, my clients are often quoting from a, the book and I'm like, oh, that's great. Who wrote that? That's in your book. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Nicole has always been that way. And, you know, um, do you, Nicole, really believe that maybe doing the radio show and reading the book did help you get that higher love? Do you think it had anything to do with it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the most important, like, the one thing that I got out of the book um, that I think not, I mean, I got a lot of things out of the book. Let me just start there. I think the one thing that I just keep recircling back to is, is the whole idea of just toxicity, you know, on so many different levels because the book does address you know, how even the most simplest thing can just turn toxic, you know? Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot in today's, in, in today's dating world, in the world itself today, there is a lot of self-sabotage and there's a lot of sabotaging behavior and self-fulfilling prophecies and things like that. And I think that, that by, if I would have just picked up the book and just read it, I would have gotten something from it, but it would have quickly fallen fallen out of my brain. You know, I would have moved on to the next thing, you know, um, just not, not because it's not enthralling and not because it didn't have something to offer, but just because of my mindset back then I was resistant. So, you know, I would have likely not studied as hard as I could have. Um, and eventually just by doing the show with you, it forced me to learn. It forced me to use that book as a manual. And to this day, when I recommend Grant Me a Higher Love, I say, this is a manual. This is not just a, like a self-help sort of thing. This is not a book that you read once. This is a book that you revisit. When you see, you know, some manipulating and controlling behaviors, you go back to that chapter and you reread that. You know, when you see something that feels like it's like it's on another level, like it's, it's you know, that it's just a, a blessing. You go to that chapter and you, you discover that again, you know, because it really is a manual. And I think that by doing the show, it, it gave me the mindset of that whole, of, of the book being a manual. And it gave me the mindset of returning to those lessons, which then put me into a position where I was constantly recognizing those reoccurring behaviors in myself, which allowed me to address those things and not be so, like I said before, you know, I could be dense but not allowing me not to be so dense. I had no choice but to look at, at myself through very, very honest eyes after, after a while. So, you know, this is, this is not a book that you just read once. It is a, it, it is a manual for your relationship and it, you should constantly revisit it. That's interesting. Okay. Do Go you ahead, use that to maintain your higher love with Lisa, your wife? Do you? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, I mean, me and my wife, what's great about me and my wife is, is that I literally went from being in a relationship where, um, you know, I, I was afraid that we were, that I was going to start fighting. I was afraid, 
you know, that I was going to fall back into old habits and things like that. And I was, you know, I was constantly walking on eggshells if I opened up my mouth about anything that was in opposition to, to you know, how she wanted things or how she felt about things, you know. Um, and now, you know, me and my wife, listen, it's not perfect, you know, but it's perfect for me. And, you know, we don't really do a whole lot of, of fighting and yelling and screaming at one another. And when we get agitated with one another, we have open and honest discussion. And, you know, and, and it's just that. It's discussion. It's not, it, it's not just destructive behavior the way that it was. It was, listen, this is how I'm feeling. This is how you're feeling. How are we going to move forward from this? And it's just very, very constructive. And we really don't fight very, very often because of it. You know, we kind of, you know, just kind of reel things in as things start brewing, which is, you know, the most important thing. So we never, ever get that buildup where we explode. You know, we just kind of start to simmer and say, well, we got we, we to gotta chill for a second because, you know, this is where I'm headed, you know, and then she does the same thing with me. You know, it's checks and balances, you know, and in that way, it's, it's a very, very positive, very, very good relationship then. You know, so it kind of speaks to the fact that you use the uh, use the book as more of, a, like I said, a, manus- a manuscript. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and I would th- I would think that based on your experiences from the book that you've taken into your personal life, and then the experiences from your book that you've taken into your professional life, what do you feel are like if you had to pick? Because this is kind of a loaded question too. But you know, how, they're all loaded, Gary. Yeah, it's very. Listen, there's just so much. There's just so much. Um, you know what? What have? What do you think you've learned the most from doing the show for the past thirteen years? Um, well, I think that I, I've learned that I definitely have a voice. You know that I didn't realize that I even had before. You know where I could actually, you know, dispense help, where I could actually, you know, t- bring some things to light for others, um, even if I don't know them personally. But I think that for myself and the overall thing that, that I've, I've learned is that you will, the blame shifting that often occurs, whether you're in a relationship with, you know, with your, I don't know, your soulmate or whether or not you're, you know, at work and dealing with your boss or whether or not you're dealing with your friends, a lot of people blame shift, you know, and they martyr themselves. It's always, well, was me and things like that. It's, I work so hard, I do so much, but I still keep getting the shit out of the stick, so to speak. And I think the first, the the one most important lesson that I learned is my own value. And the fact that people are only going to treat me the way that I allow myself to be treated. And as much as I would like to blame a bad boss or a bad girlfriend or a bad boyfriend or a bad friend for anything that happens to me, they're only going to treat me as badly as I allow it. So it's never, ever 100% their fault. If I'm accepting that behavior and if I'm accepting that behavior from one person, I'm also inviting other people to treat me that way too, just by proxy. So, and I I think that that in in itself is the most important thing because that is one of the things that is just universal. It doesn't matter where you go. If you allow yourself to be disrespected and you allow yourself to be, you know, treated poorly, then other people will take notice to that. They will, they will see that, Oh, look, you know, this is allowed now. I can speak to that person this way because it's allowed now. And I don't ever, ever want to be in a position where I let somebody else dictate what other people are allowed to do. That's a very good point. You know, and it's, it's amazing because I have truly adopted that, that thought process and lifestyle, even in my professional uh, experiences, which, 
you know, it's very different when you when you look at the professional and the personal aspect of what you're describing, because in the professional setting, what I've experienced is when you do those things, when you stand up and, and you you so eloquently stated, when you, you know, stand up to people that you're basically telling them, I will not allow this behavior, you end up becoming a scapegoat sometimes for a lot of issues that are going on that people don't really want to see. So because you're the one that has the voice that's speaking out, that's really trying to address the negative connotations, the negative behavior, you're kind of cut off at the knees. So it's, it's, um, you know, you look at, you juxtapose the two, you know, side by side and you really, it's very interesting because the dynamic does change between personal and professional. And, uh, you know, I, I do agree with you though. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, like people say, like they don't want to be doormats, you know, and, and there comes a point in time where you have to stop that behavior. Uh, but there, there does come a cost depending on professional or personal. I, I really, I really believe it, but, but I love the way um, you've addressed that in your life. I just, I think it's, it's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and Cindy had mentioned to me that, um, you know, in, in our, in our discussions that, you know, you're also intuitive and that, you have an ability that you've developed over the past 13 years, obviously knowing Cindy going through her, her book, doing the blog talk radio. So, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Has your psychic ability become stronger over the years? How did you first realize that that was something that you had the ability to do? Um, well, you know what? It's like I said, when I first met Cindy, I was very, very skeptical. So I didn't really believe that about myself. And Cindy said, no, no, you, you are intuitive, but you have to, you have to trust it. You have to, you know, work at it. You know, um, so that's something that I, that I started to develop very, very slowly over the course of time. And even now, you know, just because of just the way that my mind works, I, I shut down a lot. So, um, I don't necessarily, I, I don't think I'm not, I really wouldn't consider myself very, very actively intuitive and actively psychic. Like I have to hone in a lot. Um, and it's just because my mind just gets so full sometimes that, I just forget to sit back and be still sometimes, Sure, you know, um, and that's, that's the way that things come to me is when I actually slow down and become still. Um, so, but that is something that I've learned to call upon when I need it the most though. So although I get that, that sense of noise in my head and I get that lack of stillness when I need it to be there, it's, it's there where I just kind of go, this is what I need for right now. And I get to kind of reel myself in you know, like that. So it definitely has gotten a lot stronger and I've been able to control it a lot more. But I think that um, it was funny because Cindy was kind of, it's weird for somebody who is very, very skeptical to suddenly have two people in their lives that are very, very psychic and very, very intuitive. So, you know, just after I met Cindy, I met another very good friend of mine, Carol. And Cindy was trying to nurture this, this whole aspect in me and I was, I, I was learning and I was so new and so green. And my friend Carol happened to, to say, well, you know what? I'm very intuitive as well. And, you know, she was amazing. And, you know, she kind of tutored me a little bit, you know, in between seeing Cindy and speaking to Cindy. So now I had these two women that were very, very strong women, very, very powerful women and very intuitive women chirping in both ears, uh, you know, and I was like, ah, and then one day, Carol was having a conversation with me and, you know, and I don't know what had happened, but she, she said something and I just started going off and not, not in a bad way, but I just started rambling and my speech just got really, really fast. 
and I was barely taking a breath, but I just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden I just stopped and, I was, and she's like, you're done. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. And she goes, that's what it's like to get information. And I went, Oh, that's what that was. Cause yep. that happens to me. Yeah. But it took somebody to identify. And then I remember I was so proud of myself. I ran back to Cindy and I told her what had happened. And she's like, yeah, this is what I've been saying. Yeah. That's so you know? funny. I think I had a very similar situation with Cindy. I, it happened. The same thing happened to me. And then I emailed Cindy and I said, this is what just happened. And she said, well, that's the psychic experience. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. And I think to a degree, I was expecting like in the movies and things like that, where suddenly, you know, I'm going to have this vision and it's going to be like you and I talking right now. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like had this different sort of perception of it, you know, and then when I realized what it was, I was like, ah, this has happened to me before. <laughs> didn't know that's what it was, but hey, now, but when, once I was able to recognize what it was, that's when it became easier for me to go, aha, and have those aha moments and start realizing that, you know, as soon as I start talking myself out of something, I should probably stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, I should probably just embrace it a little bit longer before, you know, beforehand. And um, yeah, it makes for, it makes for an interesting life. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> now, I don't think it's a coincidence that this show is being done at this particular time in your lives because you two are at the age when I became psychic. Uh-oh. You two are at the age, okay? I wasn't psychic before that, not in a way that I would, you know, and believe me, I'm the busy, biggest skeptic of anyone. You don't want to watch a movie with me because <laughs> I am the most skeptical person you will ever meet. And even with spirit, I kept saying, oh, no, you're not going to tell me about this. You're going to show me what things are. And then I'll go back and do my homework, okay, and find out what happened. But you show me first. So I think it's interesting that we're doing this at this particular period of time. And you two are a lot younger than me. And there'll probably be a time when I won't be on the earth plane. And the two of you will look back at this moment and say, Oh my God, the universe conspired for us to get together and for Cindy to point out this <laughs> is when she became psychic. Okay. So think about that. And from here on in, let it happen, let it evolve. Um, you know, don't fight it. Let the messages come as they come and, in, and enjoy the process of it. And you know, if you don't misuse it, you get more power, you get more gifts. If you misuse it, boy, they really get in really quickly. So you don't misuse it. You don't fake something, you know, you don't use it to your advantage in any way. And it will come very strong for the two of you. And that's the whole point in tonight. Like, there's a lot of our listeners out there who are very psychic themselves. They don't, they're, they're expecting, a you know, some like, extraordinary experience that, you know, they're going to see the light somehow, or, you know, see God, they're expecting something huge and big, when it might just be, you know, some synchronistic events that keep happening. So don't look for some big Hollywood thing to prove that you're psychic. Um, you know, I don't, whenever I watch the shows that are supposed to be about psychics or whatever, I'm always like, that's what it's supposed to be. I don't know. Doesn't happen to me that way. So it, it really isn't extraordinary per se. It really is supposed to be kind of ordinary things that 
we just have these insights about that are coming from the other side. And so, I think too, Cindy, that just to, to kind of echo what you're saying there too, and it's if you're going to develop that gift and you're going to be accepting of that gift, I think that one of the first things you have to do is to be accepting of your own inner voice. You know, a lot of people will get those messages and they'll get that inclination, but because it's because it sounds like them, because it's there, you know, because it's coming from from within, it's echoing or resonating from within, they're automatically dismissive of it because they don't trust their that they're in a voice. And I think that once you become comfortable with accepting what your inner voice is telling you, it's easier for you to pick up on what those messages that are coming to you are, you know, because it's about it's really, really about that inner process of trust, at least for me. You know, so anybody out there that, that may be, you know, kind of like I was, you know, more on the skeptical side, more on the questioning side, you know, you can't keep double and, you know, double and triple, you know, uh, doubting yourselves. You know, you have to trust what your inner voice is. And then once you are acquainted with it and once you accept it and once you're confident in it, that's when it's going to be easier for you to decipher, you know, what those messages are and how to how to execute what you need to do with them. I always try to, and it's a good point because I, I always try to, anytime that I'm engaging in any type of reading or using my intuition to help somebody or work through problems or whatever the case may be, I, I'm always worried that if something comes out or something is, um, I, I'm brought to something or someone uh, that ends up working to my advantage or I gain some type of reward from, I always feel like I'm, oh my gosh, am I doing the wrong thing? Like I don't, I don't want to ever take what I have for granted. I don't ever want um, the spirit to think that I'm using it for my own personal benefit. But sometimes there's that unintended consequence that happens like that it just kind of almost benefits you in a way. Um, so I, I always get worried about that as well. So it's something that I, I, I'm, you know, I constantly like pontificate on because I'm always worried about, about that. Um, I, I don't know if you have any input on that, Cindy, as well. well remember God sees to our intention. Your t- intention isn't to misuse anything by any means. Okay. Sure. And we're human too. So, um, you know, that's why my deal with the universe was that my gift will be, would be off completely completely other than my own psychic ability that everybody has, you know, the same amount when the tarot cards were not in my presence, because I didn't want to ever be tempted to misuse this. I didn't want to ever be tempted to violate someone's free will or because I'm just not in a position to do it. It's just not on, you know, so it kind of saves me from whatever human, you know, foibles I might've gotten into had it not been shut off. I do use that too. You know, what you had said that to me too, like you never want to violate free will. So if anything ever comes to me of somebody that I don't know or something that just happens to cross my path, I always, I I request, you know, please give me the permission. I never, and I always say, I never want to violate your free will um, because I always feel like I have to put that out there because I never want, um, like you always say, like as fast as you have been given the gift, as fast as it can be taken away. So I never want um, to violate that. But, you know, and like I said, it's some, it sometimes happens, you know, it's, you know, I, I remember human, what, we're human, but sure. our intention was not to hurt. Right. Okay? That's the whole point. If, you, if you're not being hurtful of it and, you know, again, it's a fine line between what might be psychic ability and might, what might be your intelligence too. Maybe it's just an intelligent, you know, you live long enough, you start seeing a, a lot of things. Sure. So, 
we don't, sometimes it's not even our psychic abilities, our intelligence. So well, I just want to put that out there. If I see two slot machines and I go to the one and I win big, <laughs> I, I don't want it to be used against me. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's true. And, you know, basically with Nicole, I think the one thing that she must have felt in this 13 years is the tremendous amount of love that comes every hour when we do our radio oh show. God, yeah. in. They so love us. They almost always say, I love you after, you know, after the reading, they are so moved and they come to our radio show with their souls wide open. Okay. Bearing their souls and, and placing them on our altar and asking us, can you heal that? Can you help us? Can you give us some answers? And when Nicole and I do it, and Nicole's the bad cop, I'm the good cop. So the bad cop. Because I can't be tough enough on people, which is a flaw. And sometimes I'll just turn the floor over to, to her. I say, you know, really, Nicole, you have to take over because I don't think I'm being <laughs> enough. And Nicole just takes over and gives she it to does. them. And I'm, like, she does. and I'm like, oh, gee, I'm glad I'm not the, on the receiving end of that. And yet it's all given with love and meant to eye, open our eyes or see something that's seeing or you're going back for more with that toxic relationship. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Nicole's like, what are you, nuts? And she'll just like give it to them. But she'll always give in a way of saying she was through this. She went through this she, and w- with love. But the most thing that comes across after I finish the radio show is th- just this tremendous outpouring of love that comes. That's and trust and the emails that come through saying how much they love Nicole, how much, you know, they, they appreciate her. So, um, you know, it has been a labor of love. It is a labor of love. And sometimes it feels like those weeks go really fast. I can't believe it's like, it, it seems like it's always Thursday, you know, and when we're doing it, but that's the whole point where I'm glad that the, you know, it was Gary's idea actually to invite you on the show. And I think he got guidance from the other side from his guides and Cole's guides and my guides that this is a holy trinity tonight, okay? That, you know, when I'm gone, you two have a torch to keep going. You know, (laughs) I often wonder, like, when I'm I didn't want to think about that. No, 100 years from now. And no, and, you know, as I'm approaching 68 years old, you start thinking these things. You're not going to be here forever. We're in the middle of COVID. You know, we're not, maybe I'm not going to be here. Who's going to carry that torch? Who's going to say those words about a higher love? Who's going to remember some of the things that I said that if you guys don't pass it on, I really don't know who is going to pass it on. And and it's something that I'll haunt you from the other side. I swear to God, I will. <laughs> that I believe. I will say to you too, so what are you doing for a higher love? And you'll hear the song Higher Love a hundred times in a day because it has to be passed on. That was the whole point in writing Grant Me a Higher Love. And I was discussing with Nicole before, I am not a nonfiction writer. I'm a playwright, okay? I do not like writing nonfiction. I have to finish Confessions of Reluctant Long Island Psychic. I've been doing it steadily for the last six months. I want to I want to blow my brains out. I can't stand the editing. I can't stand it. It's not my, it's not my love, it's not my kind of love of writing, but but the universe has said is you have to write this down and document it because if you're gone, that's everything we've taught you. Everything we've challenged you is gone if you don't write it. And so we got your back, Cindy. We got your back. And that's why you two also have a book. Both of you have a book somewhere along the line that you'll be writing. 
that will be documenting your journeys and your knowledge. And it could be a, a memoir. It could be a book about a topic that of any sort, but it's something that documenting what people learn. Why do you think we go to libraries? That's that's all wounded souls and souls speaking to us. That's mm. that's a, a a huge room full of souls opened and bared out. So, you know, keep in mind that this was more than just for today. This was something the universe is saying. You two have a mission as well ahead of you. You know, I, and I. Uh... You know, and along those lines too, I, I do actually, you know, I, I almost want to flip the script now, like as though I, I was a guest on Blog Talk Radio, because I, I want to ask uh, a Here question about about the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, I want to ask this question about the book. So I know, like you had talked a little bit about the the ladder of love and how there, you know, everyone wants to reach that that soulmate, um, that soulmate rung, so to speak. And then you have the razor's edge, you have the toxic love, you have the narcissistic love, or interchangeable love. There's so many people that can say, you know, I've lived, you know, X amount of years and I've dated X amount of people. Uh, and I always seem to find those toxic relationships relationships or I, you know, I've, I always find myself in those relationships where it's, eh, and I'm in that, like you had mentioned the razor's edge. Have you ever come across, or can you speak to people that have actually come across multiple soulmates? Me, for instance, by time I was 22, I probably had nine soulmates and I didn't had no idea that I was going to be an expert on soulmates. And some of those soulmates were meant to last a year or two Mm -hmm. um, for whatever, but they were all soulmate relationships. You know, one went definitely down to toxic from soulmate. Okay. Oh yeah. But they were soulmate relationships. So uh, it made me be aware that we do have more than one soulmate. Not all of them are meant to last forever. Looking back on my life, I'm wondering why I didn't let some of those last forever, by the way. I think I was too damaged to recognize a good man and a good person. I think I had to relive my parents' destructive marriage. I think I had to get rid of my childhood anger. So in some levels, I needed a cellmate relationship because that's what cellmate love serves a nice purpose, but we don't want to get rid of cellmate love because there'll be more people gunning people down off a building. Cellmate love is like somebody raging behind closed doors with somebody they supposedly love, and then they do look normal in the outside world. So I think I had to heal myself through other relationships. I, um, The universe was bringing me soulmates to get me not to, to do what I did with my life, to they kept bringing one, marry this one, go with this one, dude, please, this is a good man. But I had to, you know, learn all the things I needed to learn. That's how I was able to write why good people can't lead bad relationships. I mean, I had to go down a path perhaps, but we do have many soulmates and not all of them are meant to last forever. You, you know, you never stop loving a soulmate at some level. Um, you have a profound connection with them, even if you never talk to them again. Um, but I, that's what made me know we have a lot. And I, looking at my own life, I was able to understand the ladder of love because I had experienced every level of it. So, so including twin flames, mirror souls, razor's edge, toxic, narcissistic wrong, which only was once. And boy, I didn't do that ever again. That was just too superficial for me. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually leads me to my next question too. So like the, the idea of a, a, you know, we had a, we did a session on, on narcissism. And I think that that a lot of people seem to have um, those types of not only, you know, 
relationship, like intimate relationships, but even friendships that tend to be um, along that narcissistic uh, type of atmosphere. So what is, what is the difference between uh, a narcissistic love or an interchangeable love? Are they on that same rung? They're actually they the same because it is the narcissistic rung on the ladder love because it's a lot about looks, size, shape, color, you know, your type. It's all like any, you know, attractive woman's interchangeable with another attractive woman or any hot guy's interchangeable with another hot guy. It's based on very superficial things. Like it's about all the things that rise and fall, money, power, you know, all the things that are not heart and soul. So it is a very narcissistic rung on the ladder of love. Uh, old souls don't really play on that rung very much, by the way. It doesn't. They don't use people. It, it's it's kind of like going on, you know, the dating apps a lot. Like a lot of that is just interchangeable, you know, love all the time. An old soul mm-hmm. might do that briefly when they're young. But, you know, I know with me, I never ca- could casually date because I was always a very intense person. Okay. And I never knew how to bullshit. I always talked from the soul to people deeply. And pe- men would fall in love with me very quickly, like after a few dates and I knew I can't casually date because I don't want to break someone's heart because if they've never had a soulmate, how are they going to know if I'm a nice person that's intelligent and they, you know, how are they going to know that's not soulmate love? And so casually dating can be very dangerous for an old soul because they are good people and they're easy to fall in love with. They're likable people. And, you know, if you have the kind of ego where you, some people just love that. They love having people fall in love with them and then breaking their hearts. They do it all the time. Then they ghost and disappear. You know, they, they love bomb people, get all that affection and run. That's a narcissist, but a good person doesn't want to break someone's heart. I'd much prefer my heart to be broken by, by someone than to break someone else's heart. So, you know, that, so some people love that interchangeable narcissistic rung and they are narcissists. They love it. They just love playing on that rung. But for me, it, it doesn't interest me at all. You know, that would be very boring or whatever. And I think, you know, you could relate to that. But it's all prevalent in America, that narcissistic rung of love. Sure. Yeah. And I think even now, Cynthia, we're seeing, like, narcissistic love used to be, you know, it used to be very, very one-sided. It was always, you know, the narcissist, you know, kind of sponging off of that, that uh, you know, that unsuspecting person. But in today's day and age, just the way that technology and the way that relationships are evolving, the way that we are so distant and have so many other options. Now I think you're getting a narcissistic love that's twofold. You're getting the dual narcissist in there. Oh yeah. You know, these people that are just sponging off of one another, completely convinced that they're this tragic star cross lover situation. That's really just self-destructing, you know? Um, and they have just no, idea of, of, of how damaging playing on that rung is going to be for anything that they have in the future. It is. You know? And it gets really gross when you're older. You see people 60, 70 still playing on that rung. Oh, you, yeah. know, um, you know, they come for a reading and they ask me, well, you know, they're 70 years old. They want the guy to be cute and have hair. And I'm like, if you want a guy to have hair, you just knocked out like 80% of the population right there. Really you're funny. down at 20% of the population. <laughs> like, get rid of that. Get over that. Like, stop. You know, like, go go for your type. And, and, and Nicole's right, the double narcissist. And they just... 
these are that becomes really toxic because two narcissists together, boy, there's nobody gonna reel that one in. Because <laughs> <laughs> now you have to think of it, you're getting two people that are just completely not real. You know, they're literally kind of enacting what they believe this perfect love story and this perfect, you know, loving couple is. And you have to think about it. How long can you live that lie? How long can you pretend, you know, in that situation? So once the novelty of, of enacting what that perfect love is, you know, once that novelty wears off and people start seeing each other a little bit more realistically, you know, what are you going to do when the shades are off? What are you going to do when the fantasy goes away? There's only one thing to do. You're either going to leave, which usually they're too narcissistic to actually do. And then it can take something that could have potentially grown into something true. And it's going to drag it down the ladder of love into that toxic level. Because now you're going to have two people raging about the fact that reality is not what they thought it was going to be, that they were not who they thought they were. But they're still the star-crossed lovers. Therefore, they have to stay in it because that's what we're meant to be. Right, and torture. You know? and, then it's, and if yeah, they're married and they get torture. a divorce, it's a billion-dollar divorce here. Oh, yeah. You know? But it just becomes torture. It becomes a self-torture in a way. Torture. You know, because it's just, just because you wanted to live the lie and you didn't want to be realistic about what your expectations were, you know, you're literally putting yourself into a position where you are chronically disappointed. And I actually see that um, too, with even the way that these these Hollywood productions, uh, these TV shows, they're they're depicting that type of love, that type of relationship on the screen. So you know, the the younger generation, our children, are looking at these, you know, relationships. They're looking at the oh, oh he's you know, she's dating the popular boy because that's what she's supposed to do because she's pretty. But then there's no substance, and you know, there's there's very little. Um, to really look at as a as a role model of a relationship on TV, which that's kind of sad too. So I, I think that that's well, consequently that's why God shut down Hollywood with COVID. Okay? <laughs> there you go. Right, right in a nutshell. Let's just stop these shows. Let's just stop Hollywood. It's awful. Okay, because the values are too bad. The relationships are too toxic, and very superficial. So again, it's not. It's it's fundamentally important that people learn about a higher love in the way they relate relate to each other and to the world because you could see we're you know we're spinning in a really toxic period in time really terribly toxic and the way people are interacting is terribly toxic and this is something that you know we all have to try to go higher a little bit not lower if we can in our thinking because it you know you watch television it's it's frightening this is frightening. It really, really is. You know, and it's kind of leads me to like kind of my, my final question and, and, you know, to kind of wrap everything up, cause this has been kind of an, an awesome experience and I was so glad to have the opportunity to do this. Uh, but we obviously, you know, and from just speaking with you now, Nicole, and, and obviously talking to Cindy uh, about you prior to us meeting today, uh, we know that, you know, you're a hard worker uh, and there's just so many different things that are happening in your life. What do you do and what could you tell our listeners uh, to do in order to recharge your battery, to rest, to re- to relax, um, to to feel uh, renewed. Uh, for me, I, I I do either one of three things. I mean, I've been creating since COVID. I've been creating a lot more. Um, so you know, usually when I need to recharge something, I'll pick up a project that I'm working on, and I'll just you know I'll work on you know a painting or a piece of stained glass or or, or something along those lines. 
Um, I love spending time with my wife. So, you know, whenever, you know, she's around, I make sure that our phones go inside. We're completely disconnected from anybody but each other. And, you know, we spend quality time together. Um, you know, or my, my big thing that I can do just throughout my day, whenever I just need to kind of power down from work and power down from, from life sometimes is I like, I will just love learning something new, you know, so I've got subscriptions to, you know, online sites. I watch YouTube videos, not, not, you know, the, the videos of people falling down, but I watch <laughs> how to do this and how to do that, you know? So, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm reading you know, a, a lovely book about, about becoming fluent in, in a bunch of different languages. And I'm finding myself putting on uh, movies in foreign, in foreign languages just to see how many words I can understand through them. You know, um, I, I, you know, I'm learning sign language right now, you know, so I'm just, you know, I just pick up something that's just not part of my normal day. And I make sure that it's my brain goes off to anything and everything but that. Even if it's only for fifteen or twenty minutes, and uh, you know, and another thing that I, that I, I advise anybody that's in there that's in the position that I'm in, which is that work from home position. You know, you forget how much you move during a day when you're going to an office. You forget the walks to the water cooler and the walks to the bathroom and stopping off at somebody else's desk. You take those little things for granted. So now that I do work from home because of COVID and my office is completely shut down permanently. One of the things I recommend everybody do is I, I, I have Alexas in my house and I set an alarm to go off every hour on the hour. And every hour on the hour, I move. I either I will go into my kitchen, I will do dishes for 10 minutes. I will do some jumping jacks for 10 minutes, you know, or, or some working out. I just I'm making sure that I'm moving. And I think that everybody, if you're going to just if you need just even a slight recharge, just get up and do something else. It doesn't have to be this big monumental event. You know, you don't need a vacation to recharge, so to speak. They're nice. But in today's day and age, you got to kind of take what you can get. Sure. <laughs> get up, change your scenery, change your surroundings, change something, even if it's only for a few minutes, and then revisit where, where you're at. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll give you fresh eyes or whatever you were looking at. And it'll give you like a fresh demeanor because you've got a little bit of movement in your life. Fantastic. Nicole, thank you so much for everything tonight. Thank you. We thank really you for having appreciate. me. Oh, it's been fantastic. You know, I, Cindy's been talking about you for a long time and I, <laughs> and I never got a chance to meet you. So this has been a, an absolute pleasure. And uh, when the world is not broken, we'll have to actually meet in person. Yes. I, would I love hope that. that'd be nice. We'll I have a Kyra love date. Okay. Where we can all like actual hug, people. maybe hug. Well, oh, what, what is that? Hug? Yeah, before we forget what that is, you know. That's so true. We need that. We need that interaction. We need that touch for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, oh, as always, Cindy, thank you so much for your time, Nicole. Once again, thank you so much, and I hope you all have a great rest of your week and weekend to come. So, thank you so much. Now. We want to hear from you, our listeners. 
If you have a topic or a question or would like to be a guest on Soul Matters Podcast with Cindy and Dr. Gary, please email us at soulmatterspodcast at gmail.com.